0: Well, because you are so flexible, I heard that right, that's the word of the year, I'm going to stand down here, and I heard nimble is a word, where's Heather at, where are you? You love that word, you smiled for a long time after you said it. So if anyone wants to be super nimble, they can even come up to these closer seats, (laughs) it's a real test of nimbleness, but I thought if I was a little closer to you, I'd feel better. I don't like, I don't know why. I remember once we preached in EPC Church, it was uh, Central in St. Louis, Missouri, and they have the like two giant, uh, what's the word I want to use, pulpits, you know, like it feels like the, up in the air, like suspended, and just, you're so much higher than everybody, and I just felt like I'm not higher than anybody <laughs> at all, so I think I should be down here uh, with you all. So, yeah, am I up? James, can we go to the. And then I'll see if this is going to work. All right. Does it show on the back or no? Only here. All right. So I might have my back to you some, but I'll try not to too much. So, uh, our tagline for our ministry reaching out to Muslim people and helping others do the same. Um, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, we, we do reach out to Muslims. Um, it's been a, a pretty amazing journey since uh, we started that um, in 2007, and God's taken us to so many places. Let me ask you all, how many of you know a Muslim person? Just raise your hands and keep them up. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, next question. How many of you would say that you actually have a Muslim friend? that that Muslim you know is, wow, this is great. We need to hear. If you can come to the, to, the, to the little Q&A time after this, we would love to hear from you. How you met these people, how you became friends, and kind of what that looks like for you. So, yeah, let's do that. Um, so what we do and where we go. So the picture on the left, where do you think that is? Anybody want to take a guess? Toledo? is not correct, but it's a good guess. Somebody over here said, anybody? Dearborn, Dearborn good guess. Spain, Spain. that's great. Well, You know what, most people always, almost always think it is in the Middle East, uh, because it looks like it, but it's in Cleveland. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. It does look a little bit like the Toledo mosque, we've been there. So we do go to reach out to Muslim people from the Midwest, uh, which, there you go, Cleveland, and to the Middle East, that's Jerusalem. Um, and we have different purposes. So the first one is evangelism. We really want Muslims to know Jesus. Um, this is our friend, I'll just call him Mr. H. Uh, Mr. H is from Iran. Iran's in the news a lot right now, right? And Mr. H is someone that we met um, through a, a mutual friend who was riding a city bus and Mr. H was also on that bus. This was in Ypsilanti. And our friend, uh, Mert, was actually picking up trash on that bus. And our friend who, be, who became our friend, uh, Mr. H, was so impressed. Who, who rides a bus and picks up trash? Who does that? Isn't that for the people that run the buses after all? So he was impressed, and then they began to talk, and then they began to do Bible studies at McDonald's. And then Mert, who is my outreach partner, he and I would go out when we lived in Ypsilanti and Ann Arbor area. We'd go out every Thursday to reach out to Muslim people. And so then he invited me into this, and we would always go to McDonald's to study the Bible with Mr. H. Now, Mr. H. had left Islam before he ever came to America to go to EMU, to Eastern Michigan University. But he didn't have Jesus, but he was curious. And actually, it's, it's so great because when he got to EMU, immediately someone uh, from one of the churches on campus invited him to study the Bible. And so there are various links in this chain of his salvation, just like there is for anyone. And I remember one day, as I was meeting alone with Mr. H, and I was showing him some things On my laptop, I took him to a website of a ministry called Elam, E-L-A-M. It's a ministry for Persian people, a Christian ministry for Persian people. And it showed a bunch of Iranian people being baptized in a large swimming pool in another country. And Mr. H said to me, I want to be baptized. And I said to him, I think we need for you to get to know a little longer who Jesus is. And that you need to see that Jesus says that we need to count the cost if we're going to follow him. Because I knew if he went back to Iran as a new Christian, if they found out, he'd be in trouble. Uh, In Iran, there's something like a five to eight year mandatory prison sentence if you put your faith in Jesus and you're found out. So I wanted him to really think through. Does he really love Jesus? Does he want to commit himself? He did. He did. And uh, these are just pictures of us with him as we're studying the Bible and presenting things to him. And this is Easter, and this is the day he was baptized um, at Cornerstone EPC Church in Brighton. And so I was so blessed. Uh, Mert, my outreach partner, and I were so blessed. We said to him, uh, We really want to take you to a nice restaurant to celebrate your baptism. And I gave him some choices. And where do you think he picked? McDonald's. McDonald's on Easter Sunday. So here we are. Our Easter fancy dinner is at McDonald's. Because to him, that was the place where he grew to love Jesus, to know who he was. And so that's where we wound up was McDonald's. There's Mary Jane with him. That symbol, by the way, that he's holding, that's Arabic and, and Farsi. It's the letter N. And it was used in Iraq in the Mosul area when ISIS chased Christians out of that part of Iraq. And they would paint this N symbol on the homes of Christians because N stands for Nazarene, the Nazarene. And so it's been a symbol uh, of pride for some people that we stand for Jesus. This is our website that was mentioned, ilovemuslims.net. I give this card to Muslims everywhere we go. If I'm in a gas station and I see a Muslim guy, I just approach him, I greet him, I say hi. We can talk more about how do I know he's a Muslim. Sometimes I get it wrong, but not very often. And when, they, when Muslims see this card and they read the word, I love Muslims, they're always shocked. Always. They say, why? Why do you, why do you love Muslims? One guy in a mosque in, in uh, St. Louis said, it's a good thing somebody does. Muslims are so used to being marginalized and rejected that when people like you, which is pretty exciting, show love to them, often they're shocked. Um, And then we, this is the website, Um, the last entry I did was, do they have Sharia law in Dearborn, Michigan? As Mary Jane and I travel all over the country, we're in churches and we do our seminar and people will say to us, well, don't you know they have Sharia law in Dearborn, and we say, well, we go to Dearborn quite a bit. Uh, in fact, uh, I just made a video in front of a, a big nativity scene in Dearborn. And we go door-to-door witnessing in Dearborn. And we go door-to-door, and this is something that some of you might be interested in, we go door-to-door Christmas caroling every Christmas in Dearborn. And most of the Muslim people absolutely love it. And so, <laughs> yeah. And then um, our second purpose in our ministry is really, uh, you can see the alliteration uh, going here, evangelizing first. And then we just want to get out to churches. You, man, this is amazing. When I saw how many hands were raised, this is so unusual. Uh, that's probably partly because of, of your location. But many, many churches we go to, there might be one or two hands that, that go up that they even know a Muslim and, and, and not anyone saying, that they um, actually have a friendship. In fact, some churches, we've had some churches, they don't want us to come. They say, we don't want to hear anything about Muslims. Uh, we, we've kind of heard it all. And so it's just so refreshing. We want to hear your stories. This is a weekend seminar that we do um, all around the country, mostly in EPC churches, because we want Christians to understand a little bit more what is Islam, And how can we reach out to Muslims? So that's what we do on Friday and Saturday. And then we always take people to visit a mosque. Now here's another question. How many of you have actually been inside a mosque? One, two, three. Okay. All right. Well, if you want us to come and take you on a tour sometime, we'd love to do that. Um, And then we take people out to eat at a a local Muslim-owned and operated restaurant. It's so interesting. We see people on Friday night when we say, "How many people will go with us to the mosque?" and people are kind of looking back and forth at each other and maybe raising their hand about this high because they're afraid to go to the mosque. Um, I had a pastor um, in the area, and he said uh, he had he had a relationship. Actually, his his son played soccer on the same team with, uh, with a Muslim kid, and. And he said, I got to talking to the Muslim kid's dad once during practice. And, um, and I said, man, that's great. And he said, yeah, he's actually a leader at the mosque. I said, fantastic. Have you ever gone to the mosque? And he looked at me and he put his head down and he was real sheepish. And, and uh, he said, no, I never have. I said, why, brother? And he said, I'm afraid they'll kill me there. And so we know when we, when we visit churches that people have fear. And so we want to we help them overcome that uh, fear and reach out. And so what we find is once we make it through the mosque, they're relieved. We go to the restaurant and they say, wow, we really like this food. And by the end of all of this, they're smiling, they're happy, they're relieved. And they say things like this, Muslims are just people. And we say back, yeah, they're just people. They're just people like you and me. But they need, like us, they need Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then we have, as I, I think I mentioned, we have videos. We have our, our YouTube channel that's uh, under my name. And uh, the one, actually the one that we just did of singing Christmas carols in a, in a uh, market in Dearborn, somebody put it on a Dearborn uh, Facebook page. And so... For us, it got a lot of views. I think it's up to 700, which for us is a lot. Most of our views are like 70, maybe 200. One of the views that I'd love for you to see is with my 94-year-old mother. Mary Jane always does the video with my phone. Um, And I interviewed my 94-year-old mother about a time she reached out to a young Muslim uh, mother in a mall. And so that that came out really well. So we want Christians to think about Muslims like God does and love them like Jesus does. That's why we do what we do. Our third purpose is, as mentioned before, we want to enlist global workers, missionaries, to go to the the world. Um, One-third of the world has never heard the gospel. Uh, And that same one-third really doesn't have access to the gospel. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about how many people that is. What do we ha- how many people are in the world now? Is it 8 billion and something? And think of a third have never, have never heard. And so even if, if today somebody here says, you know, I feel like I've had a tug in my heart to go somewhere where people haven't heard, please come and talk to us. We would love to talk to you about that. Um, there's a couple in this picture. They're in the middle, in the back. And Mary Jane and I met them uh, in April of 18, and they felt a call to be missionaries I think it was 15 years ago, 15 years before this. And they said a lot of life got in the way, and they didn't make it. They had lots of struggles. And then they said to us, in a restaurant, after this time we met with them in this group, which was talking about becoming a missionary, they said, do you think it's too late for us? And we said, it's not too late. And so... We began to do things with them. We took them to up here to Dearborn on an evangelistic trip. We uh, took them with us to the Middle East on a trip. And in April of 2019, one year later, they were approved by World Outreach, which is our the sending agency of this denomination, the EPC. They were approved to be missionaries to the Middle East. And here they are this month in the Middle East. It's really amazing. And so, again, if anyone here or you know someone, please talk to us about it. And then, fourthly, uh, we love to encourage workers, missionaries on the field. And so, this is Tim. Tim is from uh, Ward, EPC. Some of you might, might know Tim. And this is in the, the Middle East where we met with him for some encouragement. Um, we want to really say that Muslims can and are coming to know Jesus. Jesus. Um, here's one story of ours that, well, it's God's story. It's not our story. This is Hassan in the middle. This is our youngest son when we met him in 2014. And Hassan was very depressed. A refugee uh, from Syria that had been, um, he, he made the mistake or had the courage, I don't know which, to raise a free Syrian flag um, during the during all the revolution, the civil war in Syria, uh, he raised it on top of a building. And so the army came and grabbed him and put him in prison and tortured him for a few years. And um, he actually said that at one point he was unconscious. They threw him out in some kind of pile of bodies or something. They thought he was dead. And somebody somebody somehow picked his body up And nursed him back to life. And he said, I woke up in another country, which I really don't want to say where it is. And so that's 2014. And then in 2015, I saw him again exactly one year later. And the man I was with said, Mark, look, there's Hassan. Do you remember him? I said, of course I do. He said, he's been born again. He's a believer. I said, wow, what happened? And here's what Hassan said. He was sitting alone, he was smoking, a light came into the room, he said, I felt like I wasn't on earth, a man came, I couldn't see his face, and he said, Hassan, I am the savior of the world, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I want to introduce myself to you. And Hassan didn't know John 14, 6, he didn't know that scripture, but Jesus does, he said it, he quotes himself, Right? And so Hassan went the next day to the organization that we are privileged to work with, and we'll be there in, wow, now less than a month, three weeks from tomorrow, uh, we'll be flying to that part of the world. And uh, he went in there, and they talked to him, and he's a follower of Jesus now. And so here he is the next year. Look at the difference. It's really amazing. And here was uh, later that year with another friend from that background, and here is uh, a year ago when MJ was with me. So, yes, uh, you don't get very much good news on television, right, about the Middle East. But God is moving there. And he's moving under the radar. It's really cool. It's the kingdom of God. All right. Here is our message today. It's called Kick Us Out. Does anybody want to be kicked out today? Doesn't sound like a very positive connotation, but it it really is. Um, Would you stand for the reading of God's word if you're able? Send out laborers into the harvest. Please be seated. And so I have three points uh, to this message, and it's three prayers. Uh, The first one is help us to see, Lord. Help us to see. So I want to ask you, when you look at people, when you look physically at another person, what do you see? Do you only see the outside of them, or do do you see more? Uh, the word that Matthew uses here, he saw the crowds. The Greek word means so much more than to see on the outside. It means to really inspect and discern, to observe, to discover. And so when Jesus looks at a person, he sees far past everything on the outside. Robert Moffitt, uh, Moffitt, uh, missionary to Africa, Scotsman, I have seen meaning seen with different kind of eyes at different times, the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in the world. Jesus said in the parables in Luke 15, the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, he, he there tells us there's only two, type, two types of people in the world, Lost or, or found. And so, when you see people, what do you see? This is uh, this is side in the with the Hawaiian shirt, and we met him the weekend that we went to that conference in Dearborn that was alluded to earlier, where it just changed our whole lives and shifted us into this ministry. Um, there was a, a man who stood up on Thursday night and he said, okay, for the rest of this conference, I want to tell you more what it's about, but tomorrow night, Friday night, we have these options. Now remember, this is a seminar. There's a whole three-day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday, four-day seminar on reach, how to reach out to Muslim people. So he says on Thursday night, you can do these things tomorrow night, Friday night. You can go out to eat. We'll take you to, a, to a, an Arab restaurant. Some of you have been to Middle East restaurants, right, in Dearborn. You can, go, you can do that. You can go to the Arab Festival, which that's a long story. It doesn't exist anymore, but you can, go, you can do that. You can go on a tour of a local mosque. Or we have this guy, Tom, and he's going to get up and tell you what you could do with him. Tom gets up and says, Every Saturday morning, I go somewhere in Dearborn, in neighborhoods, knock on doors, and share the gospel of Jesus. But this week, I'd like to do it on Friday night and take you, this group, that's here to learn about reaching out to Muslims. So he said, just for transportation logistics, would you raise your hand if you'd like to come with me? So how many people do you think out of 200 raised their hands? Two is right. Whoever said two. (laughs) Two is right. Me and somebody else. The next night, I go there. I don't think the other person showed up. So it's Tom and me. And I still remember, uh, we've been on the street many times since then. We turn on the street, we shut off the car, we get out we start walking and knocking on doors. And I think it was like the fourth house, there was this guy's Side. And Side was sitting on the porch of his house. And he just looked so lonely, like I felt loneliness from him. To, to go with the point that I'm making here about help us see, I saw... More than just a large Middle Eastern man, I saw loneliness. I felt it. I don't, I don't even know how. It had to be the Holy Spirit. And when we went inside and began to learn more about who Side was, we found out that, yes, he was lonely. His uh, wife had died of a heart attack shoveling snow in front of their house there. His um, brother died in a snowmobile accident. His mother died in Dearborn in a, a robbery attempt at their at a convenience store that they had party store or whatever and she was murdered and then he had one grandchild uh, a little boy and he died of SIDS so he'd had all this series of losses and he was lonely he just uh, he's a guy that smiled a lot but you could see that there was more to it than that and so Tom shared the gospel with him, and I just kind of hung back because I'd never shared, I don't think I'd ever shared the gospel before with a Muslim person. I don't think. Muslims really weren't much on a radar um, at that point in our lives. But Tom shared the gospel, and Said, his real name, by the way, was Saeed, but they misspelled his name in Detroit when he was born of Lebanese parents. And I don't know who misspelled it, but they spelled it S-I-D-E, so he was always known as Said even though the poor guy, his real name was Saeed. And so, Said listened uh, politely to the sharing of the gospel, but it just, you could tell it just wasn't impacting him. And then uh, Tom finished the presentation and then I just turned to Said, I'm an extrovert, I just started talking to him. I said, Said, you're a, you're a big guy. Did you ever play football since you were born here in the States? Did you ever play American football? And he said, yeah, I played, I played here. And I said, you ever uh, watch football on TV? He said, yeah, I watched the Lions. And we commiserated about that. If you're a Lions fan, you understand what I'm talking about. And then I said to him, Side, have you ever been watching a Lions game or any football game on TV and seen somebody hold up a sign that says John 3, 16? And he said, yeah, what is that? So all I did was quote the verse. If you know it, would you say it with me? For God so loved the... That he gave his one and only, that whoever should not but have everlasting or eternal life. We got some King Jamesers in there, we got some NIVers in there, ESVers. But anyway, you get the message. When I said the last word, life, he said the word up there on the screen in blue, really. He was really, he was really hit. By the Holy Spirit, by one verse, which is my favorite verse in the Bible. It's the verse that someone led me to Christ with. And then I just took off. I didn't know what I was doing. I just took off. I just said, side. Um, I said, wouldn't it be great if you went to bed tonight, and God forbid, but if if you died in your sleep, wouldn't it be great to know that you would be in heaven, that you wouldn't have doubt? Now, I didn't know anything about Islam, really, at that point. I didn't know that Muslims fear hell. It's a huge fear that many, many Muslims have. Um, And I didn't know at that time that they have absolutely no assurance of heaven, no matter how good of a Muslim they are. Because the Quran says, their book says that God has a scale and he weighs your good deeds and your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you might you might go to paradise, but God doesn't have to do that. Why? Because God's a king, and kings can do whatever they want. And so you just never know as a Muslim. And so the Holy Spirit knew, and he was, and also he had very bad health, which I didn't know. And so I think fear of, of actually physically dying was also there. God knew all of that. I finally just said to Side, Side, Wouldn't you like to put your faith in Jesus? Wouldn't you like to invite him into your... I don't know what the prayer was. Pray with us to do this. And he said, I'll never forget it. He said exactly these words. Who could pass up an offer like that? That's what he said. So I just led him in some form of prayer of salvation. And then um, he died actually within a year and a half, I think it was. But um, yeah, Lord, help help us to see... When you see Muslims on television or the people that you know that are Muslims, what do you see? Like this guy. I I love to see older Muslim men when we travel in the Middle East. But actually, it pains me also. uh, Because I often wonder how much time do they have left? None of us knows. But if you're older, it's, you know. um, And has he ever heard? When I look at this guy, I mean, what do you see when you look at this man? Anybody? There's, not asking for a right answer because I don't know that, I mean, only God knows the right answer, but yeah, somebody. Hard life. A hard life. Worn out? Worn out? Yeah, tired? Ma'am? Loneliness? Wise? Wise? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, help us to see beyond a facial, you know, what somebody actually looks like on the outside to who they are a little bit more on the inside. Help us to see, Lord. I mean, if you go to a restaurant today and you have a server, ask the Lord to help you to see. Um, One of the tools that we use with Muslims all the time as it relates to evangelism is we... um, we will say to them, is there anything we can pray for you about? And in 12 years, we've had one Muslim person say no. Every other time, whether it's in the Middle East or here, they've always said yes. And then we pray on the spot so they can hear how a Christian prays. And so they might be from, they might be from Yemen, let's say, for example. And so we'll just, we'll just pray like this, Father in heaven, We pray to the Father. Jesus told us to do that, even though Muslims don't believe God's a father. We still do it, because we don't want to be ashamed of that. Father in heaven, we thank you for Muhammad here. Father, Muhammad's family is really suffering in Yemen, and they have fear uh, because of the war. They have fear because of, they've had uh, relatives die of cholera, and they're afraid that more might die from that. And they have fear because of malnutrition that some are suffering there. Lord, we pray that you would help them to have food, that you'd keep them safe, that you would come and touch them. And sometimes I'll even throw in that they might really see Jesus for who he is. And then I say, in Jesus' name, amen. We did have one Muslim ask us not to pray in Jesus' name, didn't we? And then one person said, not at all. But that's it. Otherwise, they've just welcomed it. And so, Lord, help us to see. So if you have a server today, Maybe you might think of saying to them at some point in the conversation, Is there anything we can pray for you about? And it may not be appropriate to pray then, but let's look for opportunities and not excuses as it relates to the gospel. The second point help us to feel, Lord. Help us to feel. Help us to feel like Jesus. How do you feel about lost people? The Bible says that Jesus had what word? He had compassion. He had compassion. It's a, it's a very strong word. Uh, it means to be moved inside. Why? Because they were harassed and they were helpless. Those are strong words too that, that Matthew chooses to use in the Greek. And I'm intrigued by, by one of them. The second one, well, the first one can mean literally to be, to be like flayed, like your skin removed from you. And the second one can mean like thrown down and to be killed. And so Jesus saw lost people in this kind of terrible, perilous situation. Um, this is a drawing uh, by uh, Mauricio Palacio. Probably not pronouncing it right. And it's a, it's a painting that he did based on a vision of William Booth. Who's William Booth? Founded the Salvation Army with his wife Catherine. And William Booth, uh, I think, was on a train and he had a vision of like this night, with a storm, with the ocean, and he saw um, just lightning, heard thunder, and um, in this ocean was a platform, and on the platform were people, and in the ocean were also people. The people in the ocean were all were drowning. The people on the platform were just going about daily life. Not wrong things, not necessarily, not uh, bad things, just life. Going to school, working, maybe getting married, um, going to the gym, whatever. Just doing normal life. And the, uh, but there were other people on the platform that uh, could hear and see the people that were in the ocean that were dying. The people in the ocean that were drowning. Some of them yelling, some of them cursing. And they could see them. But most of the other people, he said, he was so shocked by it that they couldn't even see or hear the people in the water, even though at one point they had all been in that same water. They had all been drowning. Someone had helped, like you see some of the people there throwing out life buoys or trying to get a lifeboat or something. Someone had done something to help them get out of that water where they were drowning and up onto that platform. And so Booth said that so many of the people on the platform didn't seem to have any care. That is, any agonizing care about the poor perishing ones who are struggling and drowning right before their very eyes. This this desire to see people be rescued starts in our hearts. Does anybody know who this man is? This is Richard Wormbrandt. He um, started a famous ministry. In the first days after my conversion, he said, I felt like I would not be able to live any longer. When I walked on the street, I felt a physical pain for every man and woman who passed by. It was like a knife in my heart. So burning was the question of whether or not he or she were saved. I met this young man in uh, in the Middle East. He had become a follower of Jesus. And I said to him, tell me your story. He said, well, I had a friend. I was, I was raised a Muslim in Iraq. And I had a friend that kept trying to tell me he had become a believer, a follower of Jesus. And he kept trying to tell me I should too. And I never listened to him. I never really cared. It just didn't sink in until one day... When he told me the same thing he'd always told me, he had tears in his eyes. And that's the day, that's the day that I became a follower of Jesus. Help us to feel, Lord. Help us to feel. And then third and last, kick us out, Lord. So the questions here are, what are you willing to do and where are you willing to go to reach out to lost people? This is the familiar verse that Most all of you know, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to what? Send out workers into the harvest field. Now, this is an interesting word, send out. All of these words I'm bringing attention to are really strong in Greek. But this one, cast out, drive out, compel, expel, with the usage of force. Uh, It's where we get our English word ballistic, ek out, ball, ballo, throw, throw out. Jesus uses the strong word. Ray Pritchard says we need to pray that God will throw some people out of the church. <laughs> and so that's going to be a prayer for today. Let me uh, share with you about our friend Mr. Jay from Iraq. So we met Mr. J um, some time ago in somewhere around 2011, I think. And Mr. J uh, was a refugee. Uh, he had been imprisoned by Saddam Hussein. And I tell you, he loves America. Man, he just loved America. Uh, he loved the freedom that he had here. Here's Mary Jane with uh, two of his daughters. And Mr. J, uh, my friend Mert, that I mentioned earlier, we began to study the Bible with Mr. J, we began to watch a video series uh, with him uh, on uh, DVDs, I should say, about uh, the prophets that are common to Islam and Christianity. But these DVDs were from a Christian viewpoint. His wife didn't like it, so that's why we're in the backyard, <laughs> using a laptop on a table in the backyard. His wife, everything we would, <laughs> everything we would give to Mr. To Mr. J., uh, like a New Testament Arabic or something like that, we'd find it, we'd see it out in the garage later on. We don't know who put it out there, but it wasn't welcomed, uh, we think, by his wife. She didn't want him listening, but we'd go out and play that out outside. We shared John 3.16 with this Muslim also. And, and he, this was after three years of serving him, loving him, helping him. He had he, like, like Saeed, had very bad health. For him, it was his kidneys. So he needed help with so many things. So we would take him to the doctor. We'd take him to the Iraqi consulate up this way. We would just take him to the drugstore, you name it. We wanted to help him and serve him. Um, Paul said to the Thessalonians, We were pleased to give you not just the gospel but our own lives as well that's how people become saved it isn't just necessarily from our words it's our life we have to give them something of us we have to serve them and so finally he began just those god used those videos and then mj said mark you should send out an email newsletter to our people we have an email newsletter list if you want to get on it mj has a sign up sheet everybody has one of those right and and we sent out a request for people cuz we felt like he was getting close and sure enough, he, he said, he, he heard John 3, 16, and he said, Mark, can you believe it? God loves the world. Now, you all think, well, of course he does, right? I mean, isn't that what all of us, were so used to thinking that and hearing that? No, he had never heard that. You know what he said? I thought your book taught that God only loved Christians and Jews but this verse says God loves me an Arab and a Muslim really grabbed him and he put his faith in Jesus and yeah there it is and so um, to finish up the story um, and I need to, to conclude he, um, he said I need to go back to Iraq one more time and I need to do something related to my pension. Now, I don't know how old you think he looks in this picture, but he was only 54 years old in that picture. His health was so bad. I begged him not to go. I said, uh, Mr. J., I'm afraid you'll die there. Because his doctor wanted him to get on dialysis, and he wouldn't do it. He said, no, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to diet. I, I know what foods to eat. I'm gonna ta- I can do it myself. But what I didn't know was that he was self-medicating so much with painkillers because his kidneys hurt so badly that uh, when he did go to Iraq, I finally took him. I felt like God said, take him to the airport, even though I begged God. But he said, take him. I took him, and he uh, basically kept on having to have uh, blood transfusions in Iraq. This was um, December of 2014. And he'd call me from Iraq, actually. And um, he'd tell me how bad the hospital was, how much blood he needed. And finally, he, d- he just died. I think it was December 13th, 12th or 13th of 2014. Uh, I got to talk to him uh, two or three times on the phone before he died. Every time, what would he do? What do you think he quoted? John 3.16. And so the reason I'm walking around with my phone isn't because I'm texting somebody all this time. It is a little bit so I can keep track of time, and I'm not doing very well at that. But what I want to do, I want to play for you his voice. I'll just put this up to the, to the mic, and I hope it's going to work, and I think I can do it. I want you to hear him quoting John 3.16 because what, that's what he'd do when he'd leave me a phone message. And he couldn't get me. He'd love to quote it. And uh, this was two months before he died. So let's see if this will work. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternity life. Thank you. I want to check you where you've been, my friend. Have everything okay? Bye bye. I got to go to Iraq and meet his family in uh, February, I think, or March of 2015. His sisters, I told them uh, I'd given uh, their brother a book. They said, we know. And here is his wife, his widow, who now goes has gone to, I don't know how many Bible studies since then. Um, she hasn't accepted the Lord yet, but we believe that she's on her way. What about you? Uh, who are you drawn to? I mean, for me, I'm drawn to Muslim people. It's just now, it's just so much my heart, but maybe there's a kind of people that you feel called to, you have a heart for, and that you um, should be reaching out to. I'm sorry that it's pretty small. It didn't kind of, kind of uh, the size ratio didn't work when I sent it over, but um, What can you do to reach a lost person? Remember, we said that um, reaching lost people isn't just words. It is words, but it's serving. It's finding ways to help people, serve them, love them in really practical ways. Can you do those things, any of those things for the sake of Jesus and include the gospel in it? So that's our third prayer. That's my last slide. Lord, kick us out. Um, why did Jesus use such a strong word to pray that the Lord of the Harvest would thrust out workers, send out? Because he knows that in here, it's comfortable. I mean, I hope it is anyway. <laughs> I hope this is a comfortable place. But we all like to be comfortable. We don't want to be in any position that makes us feel uncomfortable or unsafe. What's the first thing? People say to us, if they want to go to us, maybe with us to the Middle East, is it safe? And the first question should always be, does God want me to do it? Not about safety or comfort. We, in the Western church, we've made safety and comfort idols. We've, we're idolaters. And so God knows that we need to be thrust out of our comfort zones. We need to cross uncomfortable boundaries to reach out to people. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this dear people and this dear church. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this church to reach out to people who don't know you yet. Whether it's individually, where they work, or where they go to school, or whatever. In their neighborhoods. But give us your heart, Lord. Help us to see lost people the way you see them. Help us to feel about them the way Jesus felt about them. And then, Lord, truly kick us out wherever you want us to go and whoever you want us to go to. In Jesus' name, amen.